Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Hey everyone, how are we going today? Going great, good, very good. It's great to be in the house of the Lord and it's great to also celebrate our community and and special events uh, like Don uh, today as well. Uh, Just for a a moment, I just want to speak to those uh, that call Clovey home and just want to give you a little update on our giving and on our offering. Uh, We do this from time to time. I I like to share where things are up to so that we keep short accounts uh, in all of that. And I wanted to let you know that the first couple of months of this year, uh, January and February, uh, we were going really well with our offering. But in March and April, we've had a little little drop away. And uh, I wanted to let you know that for your awareness. I wanted to let you know that for uh, your prayer. And as you are aware and as you pray, if God calls you to act in that, then uh, please do. Uh, Our our offering, uh, our budget each month is just... Uh, around $97,000, so in the high 90s each month, and uh, the last couple of months we've been in the low 80s, so we're, we're, kinda, we're, we're about kind of 15 or 20% below what we would like to be in terms of our faith budget. So I just bring that to you for your awareness, for your prayer, and if God's asking you to uh, give in that way, then uh, you saw on the screen the three ways to give, and you know how you can participate in that. It's really important uh, as a people of God and a family that we can talk about, you know, all the things that we need to and it's just really I think important that for those that call Clover home you know where we kind of sit and uh, we've sort of last couple of months we've trended down a little bit and we'd like to just bring that to uh, your uh, awareness and for prayer and uh, let's respond as God asks us to sound okay yes good thank you Wonderful. Uh, Good. We're in the second week of our Restoring Relationships series. And uh, we're in this relationship series, not looking at particularly uh, the relationships um, of marriage or of parenting or things like that. But we're wanting to look at values and qualities in relationships, particularly around what does it mean to live in restored relationships? And what can we learn from Scripture in terms of what does it mean to be in uh, great relationships with those that are around us? And last week, Michelle spoke about fighting fair, and she spoke about how important it is to listen well and and to speak carefully and then to forgive freely. And and really important qualities that we learn from Scripture uh, in terms of living in restored uh, relationships. And today, we're going to look at what does it mean uh, to have relationships for the long haul? What does it mean to actually hang in there? What does it mean to dig in? What does it mean to have grit in the relationships that we find ourselves in? Uh, which is, is a little bit countercultural because we live in this immediate society. We live in, you know, in many ways, a, a culture today that if it doesn't come straight away or if I'm not getting my needs met, then there is a real challenge in terms of how we actually live in relationships with other people. So there's this, this immediacy, there's this consumerism, and, you know, and that's just baked into our culture. It's just part of what we kind of live in. So as people of God and as people who uh, look at God's word for the truth and for the, the ways in which we live and make decisions, I think it's really important that we look at that in terms of what does it mean to be in relationships for the long haul. So we're going to look today at the story of Joseph. So from Genesis 37 to 50, we're not going to you know, kind of sit in um, the whole story uh, today because we don't necessarily have the time for that. But we're going to look at the story of Joseph and look at what can we learn from Joseph's life in terms of loving and living in relationship for the long haul. And he's got a lot uh, to teach us 
in that way. And if I was to describe the story of Joseph in three words, I would describe it as grief, grace, and glory. Now, that's sort of the arc that I see in the story of Joseph from Genesis 37 to 50. You know, it starts with a lot of grief. Joseph is a young man, vulnerable in many ways, and he's discarded and he's abandoned by his brothers. He's sold and he's displaced in chapter 37. In chapter 39, he comes across a whole uh, different situation with the temptation of Potiphar's wife. And, and he thought, well, maybe there could be some ways to shortcut for pleasure and success here. He experienced tremendous amounts of grief. And as you, if you've read the story of Joseph uh, before, if you've sat in that narrative, you might even in your own life have had experiences where you feel like you connect uh, in with Joseph and the grief that he experienced in his life. But it's also a story of grace. And when you consider the grace that God gave to Joseph, safety, protection, favour, we read in the narrative uh, that God was with him. How powerful are those words? His rise to power, interpreting dreams, the strategic leadership that he gave while the people had a famine and, and, the, and the decisions that he was able to enact in that way to help. So God gave grace to Joseph, but then Joseph also gave grace to his family. He gave them food, he gave them grain during the famine time. And in chapter 45, we see him forgive them and then go through a process of restoration. You see, Joseph had a deep faith, a deep faith that was cultivated over many years and, and through varying life experiences. And what we see in Joseph is a man of integrity, but we also see a man who had grit. He just didn't give up at the first hurdle. And when things got a little bit hard or they didn't go his way, he just didn't sub out. There's quite a, a lot of grit that was displayed in his life as he experienced God's grace and then as he lived that grace out to others. And then it's a story of glory. Ultimately, this is a story of God's faithfulness to his people lived out through this family. All glory in this situation, in this narrative goes to God. A family restored under the hand and the leading of God. And this in many ways is an example to us today of what a restored relationship looks like. So Joseph's relational journey is one of grief, grace and glory. And in our lives, we need to recognise that, yes, we live in a culture that uh, is, is immediate and consumeristic, but we also need to realise that we live uh, in life which has seasons. And we can't live our whole life in summer. For those that love summer, the weather is turning. We're wearing our jackets a little bit more now, aren't we? We can't just have long nights and, and, uh, and hot evenings and, and just enjoy in that time, from that perspective in life. We can't just live... In summer, for those of you that love winter, just hibernating away and, and uh, warming up near the fire, we can't just live in that place all the time. Life has seasons, just like the seasons that we experience in natural order. Our life has seasons. There's ups, there's downs, there's ebbs, there's flows. Uh, there's times where we maybe uh, experience a closeness of God in our lives and there's other times that we're battling away and we're going, Lord, where are you in this? And that's true for all of us. And sometimes it takes some courage and some bravery to acknowledge the season that we're in or sometimes it just sort of hits us in the face. And we're like, that's where I'm at. 
But as we go through these seasons of life, a key question for us to wrestle with is how do we continue to show love and grace for the long haul when relationships in our world have bumps, twists, turns? They don't maybe feel as easy. Maybe they feel a little bit difficult. How can we posture and position ourselves to love for the long haul? Really important questions, and particularly of, for those of us who follow the Lord. So I don't know if you like the, the final scenes in, in a movie that's, you know, maybe an action movie that's coming to the end, or, or, or maybe, you know, it's more like a novel. You like to read, the, read a novel and you're getting right up to the final moments, or, or maybe it's just that you like watching car racing for the first lap and then the last lap. But what I want to do is take us to the final stages of Joseph's narrative in Genesis 50. And we've seen a man who has loved for the long haul. We've seen a man of integrity and of real grit. A man who's received grace from God and then lived that grace through different situations. And in Genesis 50, we see a a wonderful culmination of God's story uh, with Joseph and his family. So the context here is Joseph's uh, dad, Jacob, he's just passed away and they've mourned him. And let's pick it up from verse uh, 15. It says this, it says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs that we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of your servant of the God of your father. And when their message came to him, Joseph wept. Verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. Verse 22, Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years. There you go, Don, 110 years. And he saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Makar, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land that he promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it appears that this grace that Joseph has received and that Joseph has given freely, it appears that this grace is still too much and and still too true for Joseph's brothers. Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs they did to him? They still kind of turn this thing around on themselves. So what do they do? Well, gee whiz, they went and hatched another plan, didn't they? Verses 16 and 17. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father has left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins of the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. 
Now please forgive the sins of your servant, of the God of your father. So they kind of try and manipulate the situation. And what's Joseph's response? When the word comes to Joseph from the delegation, Joseph wept. He wept. He broke down because he must have thought, really? Are we doing this again? Do we have to do another cycle of my brothers not knowing who I am or what I'm about? And he's sad because he's heart was to live in a genuine restored relationship he wanted to be in a life-giving restored relationship but what did his brothers do they don't even face him they send a delegation it's like when you're in primary school and you tell your mate that you like that girl over there and you reckon you could go over and you know tell her and see if she likes me back sort of thing just lacks courage so many ways and joseph was sad he was sad because he was a smart guy. He sensed their fear. He, he, he saw their lack of courage to come directly to him. And they didn't really understand, did they? The full weight of the forgiveness that he had given them. Even more so now that his father had gone. And this is what we really need to understand from this narrative in terms of living a restored life. It is this, that Joseph... He didn't react, but he chose a path of grace. And he chose the relationship over a reaction. So important. He shows grace. He continues to walk down the path of grace. And even though he might have had some rights to, to have a reaction in him, he didn't. He chose the relationship. I wonder if there's a relationship in your world right now where where you know that maybe you've been reacting. But actually, God is saying to you today, choose the path of grace. Receive grace from me and live grace out in the world in which you are. Choose the path of grace. This is what Joseph teaches us. In verse 19, it says, when, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what he is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I'll provide for you and your children. He reassured them and then he spoke kindly to them. See, this is so countercultural, isn't it? I don't know, as I was preparing this, the tension in me, maybe as you're engaging with this today, the tension in you to say, really? Is this what it looks like to... Live in the kingdom of God. This is what Joseph teaches us around restored relationships. This displays Joseph's character through life's twists and turns, how he stayed close to God. He developed a strong inner life of faith. He was a man of integrity. And he chooses the relationship. And he chooses to set his brothers free. He provides for them. He doesn't kind of keep them in his back pocket or just hold something over them. No, he completely restores them. And what they intended for harm, what they intended for harm, the scripture says God intended for good. See, Joseph was involved in saving many, many, many lives through the famine, through his leadership and storing away grain. 
And now he's involved in keeping his family alive and, and assuring the future of the family line. And he told them not to be afraid, not to fear, which they were indeed actually doing. And he reassured them, he, he provided for them, and then he spoke kindly to them. Wow. For all of us today, in the relationships that we have, this is a wonderful, godly example of grace, love, and forgiveness that Joseph sets for us. So I guess the question for us to wrestle with is, is where is our heart and where do we line up in relation to some of the things that Joseph teaches us in this narrative? Can I ask you honestly today, do you speak kindly of others? Is it just how you roll as a follower of Jesus and a person who participates in the kingdom of God? Do you speak kindly of others? Let me push it a little bit further. What about people who have hurt you? Can you speak kindly of someone who has hurt you because of the grace that you've received from God? Do your words build people up? Are you someone maybe in your workplace or in your family or in your street where people know that when they come to you, they're gonna get a word of encouragement. They're gonna feel reassured. You carry that non-anxious presence that comes from God that he has placed in you. Verse 21, Joseph reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Don't you think if anyone could have had a chip on their shoulder or if anyone wanted to carry a little bit of hurt or grief, like surely Joseph had a claim to that, right? Surely he had a claim to that. But no, he experienced grace and love from the Father and then he spoke kindly to his brothers. You know, when I was growing up as a teenager, one of my youth leaders, I wish I remember who it was because it stayed with me like my whole life up to this moment. They said, you know, if you um, know that you've forgiven someone or if you know that you, uh, you, you are um, really for someone, then you can pray a blessing on them. But if you can't pray a blessing on them or if you can't uh, pray uh, for them to go well, then maybe there isn't something quite right in the relationship that is with them. And that's just something that sort of stayed with me as I've grown through life and and relationships have had their twists and their turns and, and there's been conflict in, in my world, whether it's low grade or significant, uh, whether there's been disappointment in my heart or, or, or whether it's been something that I've done or something that people have done to me. I've just had this little test. Can I pray a blessing on them? Can I love them and show grace to them? And if I can't, then I know that I need to hold up the mirror and say, Lord, what is it in my heart? What is it that you need to do in me? Now, I'm not dismissing or I'm not speaking of what others have done. Or I'm not even going into that. But I'm just talking about me. I'm asking you to reflect on you. And asking these questions that, that come out of this narrative for us today. Because Joseph didn't react. He chose a path of grace. He chooses the relationship over the reaction. And this is, a, I think, what it shows for us in terms of being in restored relationships over the long haul and doing what only we can do. 
is asking these sorts of questions around, do we speak kindly of others? Do our words build people up? How do we step towards someone to live in that restored relationship? I wonder what it is that the Lord is speaking into your life today. And I wonder what he's saying specifically about some of the relationships that you are in in your world. See, God's desire for all of us is to be in relationships that are, that are restored and to live our lives where grace is cultivated in our lives over the long haul. And God can do this incredible thing, which I think in many ways is a mystery of our faith. And I kind of can't really understand it, to be honest, but this is what he does. And we learn in scripture, he can take negative human intention and turn it into something that has a restorative effect. This is incredible. Like, this is just something that can't be manufactured. But, but God can actually take the negative human intention that someone has, so like Joseph's brothers in this story, and then turn it into something that has a restorative effect for, for the people of the time and then also for his family. This is, this is crazy, really, when you, when you think about this. And this is really this narrative of grief, grace, and glory. And we see... We see the work in the hand of God at work in and through this narrative. Joseph says in verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So as Joseph stayed really close to God and he received his grace, he lived out this grace, God cultivated and shaped within him a kingdom perspective, a perspective that understands what it means to live and and participate in the kingdom of God. So even more than taking something negative and turning it into something that is restorative, God shows us through Joseph's life that he can take incredible painful experiences and use them to provide for people, even the people that might have brought that pain. Old Testament theologian John Goldingay puts it this way. He says, through, someone, through something wrong done to Joseph, God did something good for other people. Through something wrong done to Joseph, God did something good for other people. And then we, we must say, well, why and how and how does all this piece together? And God, who's the God of the, the heavens and the earth, and yet he knows my story and he knows your situations and he knows the exact application for this message today into your world. We need to understand this fundamental truth that, that God is in control of all things. And he is constant even when our lives are not. And there are times that our lives are not constant, right? There are, there are times that, that we fall short or things happen or, or things are done even uh, to us and we go, I don't know how we're going to work through this situation. And what we need to know is that God is in control of all things. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In Philippians 1, and Paul says these words, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he says this, verse six, he says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it onto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And it might be that you need to hear today that in your situation that maybe you can't make sense of or maybe 
You know there's some things that maybe you need to act on and move towards God in, but there's a whole heap of it that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. Maybe you need to hear and understand today that God is in control. Maybe you need to hold on to this truth that God works for all things for the good of those who love him. Or being confident in this, that he who began a good work will carry it on. God is with you. God is in control and we can trust him in that. And the Joseph narrative teaches us about restoring relationships and and loving uh, for the long haul that God is in control of all things and we can surrender to him. And Joseph knew this truth in his life. He was fully submitted to God in all the areas of his life. And it might be that you're in a situation that you're struggling to reconcile right now. And what I want you to understand and what I want you to hear is you can be like Joseph and you can trust God and you can hold on to that. And Joseph lived the words from Hebrews 12 even before they were written, which I think is pretty neat because it shows how consistent God is over the centuries He lived these words from Hebrews 12, which says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured so much opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. See, all those years earlier, Joseph lived this truth out. He was a man who threw off his sin. He ran the race that God had for his life. He had his eyes fixed on him. He allowed God to shape him day in, day out, week in, week out, season in, season out. He allowed God to shape him over the long haul so that he could live with the relationships that God had for him in his life. And throughout Joseph's life, he resisted the God of self, didn't he? He resisted this this, um, trap to put himself in the middle of the narrative. He, He resisted that God of self and he lived for God, his father. And at times, Joseph was broken and he was surrendered before God. But overall, he lived such a full and blessed Life, hard in parts, but extremely rewarding. So let's go to the end of this narrative. Verses 22 to 24 say this. They say, Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Machir, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, Joseph was 17 years old when he was discarded and abandoned. He was 56 years of age when his father passed away. And he was 110 when he passed away. Think about what he thought his life was going to be at 17. Discarded, sold, abandoned. At 56, wrestling with 
Am I here again with my brothers? Are you serious? Choosing a path of grace. And then he nearly had half his life again. Consider this. He then nearly had a whole another half of his life to live. And he would have probably never thought at 17 he was going to have the great grandkids come and sit on his knee. He probably didn't think that was part of his story. It was a story of grief in many ways. But also a story of grace. The grace that he received from God and then the grace that he passed on to others. And then it's a story of glory because this ultimately is a story of God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And really what I sense God is saying to us as a church community today, and this is really important, so if you've tuned out, then tune right back in. Because what I feel like God is saying to us today is that there's still time. There's still time in your life for God to lead and for God to make a way and for God to restore. There's still time. For Joseph, he lived another 50 years. There's time for you. There's time for you. And we're sitting in this mega theme of restoration this year. And we've just felt like the Lord has just said, go deep. Because we all carry a number of different things in our lives. And sometimes a sermon series of three or four weeks, God might by His Holy Spirit bubble some things up and then you're like, oh, beauty, I can just sort of, you know, hopefully we don't talk about that for a while. Some areas of our life are just too painful. But the Lord, I believe, is wanting to do a work in us this year of restoration. And I feel like what He's wanting to say to us today is there's still time. There's still time in that relationship that maybe you think is gone. There's time. God's at work. God's in control. It might be that you need to pick up the phone. It might be that you need to say, I'm really sorry. It might be that you need to choose a path of grace, even if you think you're in the right. That's what we learned from Joseph. Joseph was a man of integrity, a man of faith. He received grace from God and then he passed that on freely if we're going to live restored relationships if we're going to live lives that please the Father then we need to choose that path of grace in our lives and you need to know that there's still time there's still time the best thing that we could do right now is turn to the Lord and spend some time reflecting in communion so if you want to grab your juice and your bread online if you want to prepare yourself for communion if you don't have the elements then just please put up your hand and one of the team will come around and make sure that you've got all that you need there